Amen. I'm going to invite Stephen up. Thank you. He's an elder, by the way. Uh, uh, if you get announced three times, you better hit your mark. So, hello. Um, if you haven't already got who I am, I am Stephen. I am an elder at this church, if you were wondering. I apologize for my lovely wife. Uh, she came up here. She had to read my chicken scratches of what the today's verse was. And now looking at it, it doesn't look correct. So, that's good. Um, I need a volunteer today. Volunteer. I'm looking around. I already had somebody picked out, so if they don't raise their hand, they may just get voluntold. Isabel? 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 Come here. Thank you for volunteering. Let's give her a round of applause. Yay! Now, Thank you very much for helping me today. Will you do me a favor? Will you walk and wait in the foyer, and when you hear go, will you walk up to the front, right back up here? That's all you have to do. You don't even have to say anything. Go. Yeah, go. Thank you. All right. So if I do this quickly, and if you guys can read well, I don't want to say what's going on. Oh, either way, really. Probably middle. So... Tim, can you waver on? No, not you. Hey, come here. All right. Go ahead. Come on, Isabel. Everybody, yeah! Yeah! Come on down, yes! Well done! Yeah! Yeah, thank you. Now, one question. How did that make you feel? Really good? Make you happy? Thank you. That's all I needed. Awesome. Can you take your seat? Give her another round of applause. So, as I juggle, yeah, thank you, Adam. Um, Today we're talking about um, Palm Sunday, and if you don't know what Palm Sunday, it was how Christ entered Jerusalem. Um, And I kind of wanted to give you a little bit of context. So what is this all about? Um, Give you a little bit of expectations of what I thought, kind of where people were for themselves, and then a conclusion. If I was a really good Baptist minister, which I am not, it'd be three C's, and they'd all tie in together beautifully, but there was an E in there, so I just got to deal with that. Um, So first is context. All right, so who's this all about? Who's... Who's in this story? We're, we're talking about Jesus. Okay, Jesus is kind of our focal point of this story. Uh, there are the 12 um, disciples, uh, Pharisees, and a large crowd. Now, we'll get into more of them as we go, but those of our characters or those of the people that we want to focus on, what is happening? Like, what is literally going on? Not adding, subtracting, or multiplying. Christ is entering Jerusalem. That's what's happening. When is this happening? It's happening at Passover, and it's an interesting time um, for in the Jewish calendar. Um, It was celebrated often. Most Jewish people, and even Greeks, would know what Passover was. Most Australians don't. So we'll go over what Passover is and why it's important. Why it was the festival, festival for Christ to enter Jerusalem one. And how. How I love 
How usually gets glossed over, and I spend probably a little bit too much time. No, donkeys are not my favorite creatures in the world. I actually kind of detest them. But why a donkey of all creatures? You know, if I was Christ, I'd ride in on a dragon. Or, you know, like, or I just float. You know, like, I don't need to walk on your coats. I'll just float over them. You know, but Christ, he entered on a donkey of all creatures. Why a donkey? You know, so we'll talk about those things as we go. Um, I'm going to focus in on when and where for our context so we can get a better idea of what's going on. Because often we read the Bible and we think, okay, so what? It's, I can kind of get what's going on, but we don't see necessarily through the eyes of the people. And through the eyes of the people, we get so much more. This is an artist's rendition of the Mount of Olives. So this is where Jesus was starting his trip. Now, his trip wasn't 100 Ks. It wasn't 50 Ks. It was about 3 Ks. Now, for us, 3 Ks can sometimes be fairly a lot. For somebody who was in that time period, 3 Ks was a, a very small walk. You could easily do 3 Ks. So to get a donkey and to jump on top of it, that was a little bit like, okay, you're being a little precious today. You don't need to do that. So... It is in the Mount of Olives. Why is it in the Mount of Olives? Well, Mary Magdalene lived there. And it was late at night, and he was having dinner with Lazarus. If you don't know who Lazarus is, he's the guy that died and was brought back together. So, I mean, I'd be freaked out the entire time. You know, there's, there's this guy that was dead for enough days until he stank, and now he's walking around eating, talking, breathing, and we're going to have a you know, a dinner with Christ in um, the Mount of Olives, or Bethany, all right? And so, this may be kind of hard to see, and if it is, I apologize, but I think if you look right here, this area is right the Mount of Olives, there's a trail that runs down, and then right here is Jerusalem, like the main gate that he's going in, and then you would have the temple you have the west wall of the temple right there. So it's not a long trip, um, and you could easily do it, but those are kind of the pieces. Now, as you go from the Mount Olives, if you could see, it's a pretty steep drop down and then kind of back up to Jerusalem, which is interesting, kind of like a little bit of a valley going on. All right? And this is a picture from Jerusalem looking back at the Mount of Olives. Does that make sense? So you're looking back at where Jesus would have come down. Now, if you could imagine just rows and rows of people just following the road, stacked up, um, like they were giving something away for free. Like there was just heaps of people all cheering, all shouting. You would be in Jerusalem hearing what's going on. Okay, And that energy would be slowly coming towards you. All right, so it gives you a little bit of where. When, you may not know, you may not be a historian. I was looking out, and if I have any historians, please shoot your hand up and uh, add to this. This is around 33 AD, okay? Christ is in his 30s. Um, The ruling Caesar was Tiberius. Your homework tonight is to research him a little bit. He wasn't a very nice Caesar. He's near the end of his rule. Um, So if you know about history, when you have a shift of power 
from one person to another, usually bad things happen. People die, wars happen. So this is near the end of Tiberius' rule, and there's political unrest. Everybody in Jerusalem hates the Romans. They're occupied. They pay taxes to the Romans. They're a Roman state, so Rome has kind of influenced their culture and their buildings and their lifestyle into the Israelite or Jewish community. So imagine if somebody came here and started saying, no, you don't do that. No, you don't do that. This is what you do, and I'm going to actually take a larger portion of your salary. No one's happy. No one enjoys this. No one likes the Romans, and they actually want the Romans gone. All right, six days before Passover. Now, if we forget what Passover is, it's fine. I had to, like, remind myself. Passover is in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is um, where we see different characters of the Bible do different things. We're talking um, specifically about um, not Noah. Led the people out of Israel. Moses. Sorry, if you've ever seen... um, the Ten Commandments, uh, there's a line. Again, your homework, watch it, you'll love it. It's about four hours of your life, so good luck with that. Um, but yes, Moses, it's going back to the time of Moses when he was freeing his people from, or the Jews, from Egypt and from their grass, and there was plagues. The very final plague was the plague of the firstborn son dying. Oh, that's interesting. The firstborn son dying. Who is Christ? The firstborn son. So Christ is entering during Passover, fully knowing what's going to stay and what's, what's welcoming him at the end of this trip. But he's the first son. He's the firstborn. Everybody would be um, getting together. You would have a pilgrimage. So you would have many people. I mean, you'd have a swell of people coming to Jerusalem at this time. It's not just the city. It's the city infused with more Greeks and Jews and all the like to celebrate this sacred day in their calendar. Okay? So Jesus is entering on that kind of day, if that makes sense. It's a day to get together. It's a day to reflect. Now, again, Passover is important because in order for you to miss God's judgment, back when Moses was trying to free the people, you had to sacrifice an unblemished lamb, a perfect lamb. Again, Christ is symbolizing that for us, and we'll talk about that at the end. So you would get together, you would um, have a sacrificial lamb, and you would eat, I think, bitter herbs, um, unleavened bread, and a lamb. Um, I've actually done a Passover one time. It is, it's pretty interesting. Um, if you've never done that before. And last but not least, this is where we see Christ being amplified. At one point, he was just a a person healing and um, giving food out, and he was a good guy. He was a prophet. No one really knew what he did, but this is right after raising Lazarus from the, the grave. So, that news would have traveled the Roman road as fast as anything else. Have you heard this guy named Jesus? Yeah, he brought a guy back from the dead. From 
What? The dead. So this is all over. This is wildfire. This is a scandal. This is news for everybody to know. You couldn't walk into the bazaar, the marketplace, without hearing this kind of news because it was so big. He brought somebody back from the dead, and he's coming here today. So they're all amped. They're all ready, and Christ is about to enter. Okay? So that kind of sets the stage of where we're looking at and what's happening. Um, now, this is where I'll stop and talk a little bit about how. How is weird? On a donkey? Most kings ride on horses, on chariots. They don't walk. They ride. But he chose a donkey. Why a donkey? Okay? Donkey is an animal for burden. Like, you got too much stuff, you put it on a donkey or a mule. It carries things for you. So why a donkey? Well, a donkey's a representation of peace. The Lord was not coming to Jerusalem to start a war. Everybody thought that. Everybody wanted that. But Christ was coming for peace. He was coming to join and to save. It's also very interesting to see that in the Bible, you never see him, or you know, check me on this, you don't see him riding anything. He's always walking. He walked from every place. This is one of the only times, I think this is the only time God was documented, Christ was documented for riding on a donkey. Yes? Travel by land. Yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Yes, by boat. That was more to amplify and to go and to get away from people, but this is the only time he's been documented traveling on an animal. He always walked. He always walked. Anybody else? Always walked. That's right. That's what I'm saying. Check me because, you know, you never know. I could be just telling you stuff. No, but anyhow, so he's, he's, always, been, he's always been documented as walking. He was walking on water. Let me just put that out there too. That's walking too. So <laughs> he's always, always walking. And this is the first time instance that we see him riding on an animal. Um, why a donkey? It doesn't make sense. Um, if you look at Zechariah, this is in the Old Testament. This is long before Jesus. And we want to see that you can't read your Bible in one chapter at a time. You have to kind of read it and to get a full breadth of idea. Zacchaeus is, or Zechariah is one of those books that you easily jump ahead of. This author is talking about what the Messiah will look like. Rejoice, greatly rejoice, daughter of Zion, or people. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, or more people. See your king, he comes righteousness and victorious, lowly riding on a donkey, on a colt, a foal of a donkey. Ooh, ooh, little goosebumps there. You know, like, that's, that's way before Christ. And that is being woven. That story of Christ, it didn't all of a sudden like Christ or God's like, oh man, Adam and Eve, you screwed up. Well, we'll see how this plays out. We'll, we'll see how this goes. No, Christ had a narrative that he knew. He talked to prophets. He, he led people to this one moment. And this is like tapping at the glass. Hey, hey, are you paying attention? Are you listening? Hello? Hello? This is, it's a donkey for a reason. Also, if we look at Genesis 49, this is Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, and he's talking to individually which ones. He's blessing some, 
maybe cursing one. This is Judah. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son will blow down, or bow down to you. You're a lion's cub, Judah. You return for the prey of my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down like a lioness who dares to rouse him. So he's talking about Judah at this stage. Now listen in. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff between his feet, not uh, until he who, whom it belongs shall come, the obedience of the nation shall be his. He will tether his donkey to the vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in, blood of, in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darkened than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. This is an exodus. He's, Jacob is telling his son Judah, the scepter, the ruling line, will not leave your bloodline. And if you look back in the lineage, Judah is in the, in the line of Christ. And, um, and, his, and there will be a donkey temp, uh, tethered to the vine. Again, like, again, a donkey of all creatures, yet it still weaves its way into... That day, now there are more. There's more homework. Don't you worry. There is symbolism with the robes being placed on the donkey and putting it out in front of the feet. But we could be here all day if we wanted to talk about every little thing. All right, let's talk about kind of the expectations. What is seen through the people's eyes at this stage? Okay, if you are a disciple, you're not necessarily worrying about what Christ is saying. You, you kind of don't get it. Like, yeah, sure, Christ, you can raise a temple in three days. That's cool. So what? I kind of want to just be with you. You called me to be with you. I'll follow you. I don't really know what you're saying. I don't really get it. But where do I line up? You know, am I your, am I your right-hand man? Am I your left-hand man? Like, where do I kind of line up in things? So from a human's perspective, where the disciples were, they just kind of wanted to be following Christ and learn. Disciple was somebody who was learning from the master and Christ being the master. The crowd, they were singing or shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna, save us. It can be both jubilation, like praise, 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 but it also can be save, save, save. The Romans are here. Get rid of them. They're just a blight on our society. We want nothing to do with them. So their perspective, if you were part of the crowd and you see Jesus come in, you're seeing somebody that's going to get rid of the filth, the badness, and you're going to make your life better. You can go back to how it was. You own your own business. You trade. It's more of a Jewish nation. We don't have Romans invaded. They're gone. We save ourselves. So they're looking for freedom. Pharisees. Uh Uh-oh. Christ did what? He raised somebody from the dead? They were planning on killing Lazarus. They wanted nothing to do. They wanted to silence Jesus. They wanted to silence this narrative. Because at the end of the day, their power was threatened. They're losing control. They're losing what they want. So they want Jesus out and done. All right? And Jesus, as we see him in the background, if we're sitting on somebody's shoulders, we see another king. And goodness gracious, we go through a lot of kings in the Bible, but hopefully this one's good. Hopefully this one's the one that kind of rewrites our history and helps us out. We want a new king. 
Now, that's our perspective. If we were there as humans standing by, that's my kind of take on things. What, what would we see God's view? Somebody who sees the narrative from Genesis to Revelations, the whole story. What is he writing? What is the story that he's telling? Well, the disciples are his instrument. Yes, they don't get it now, but they will. And once they catch fire, they will spread that throughout the Roman world, if not through the world. So they are, they are Christ's mouthpiece. They use their hands and their feet. The crowd, the crowd is literally the ones that he came to save. Now, I wanted another kid to come up through, and we booed them and throw stuff and spat them. But then I thought, that's a little far for, you know, Palm Sunday. Maybe not this time. Next week, whoever's on. Really clear, really effective. Um, But really, the crowd was, I mean, Christ, you know, one day he's being cheered, and the other, you know, day or week, he's being spat upon. These are the people, like, I, I see, like, I read the title, Christ's Triumphant Entrance, and I see, um, if you've ever watched um, The Lion, the Witch, and the Lo- Wardrobe, when Susan and Lucy are walking with Aslan to the table to take, um, oh, what's his name? I, I'm forgetting names today. That awful spite, Edmund. Oh, Edmund. Oh, that little rat. Oh, he, I saw the movie, and I was like, that's Edmund. But he's taking Edmund's iniquity, his sin, away from him. And Aslan's just stay with me. It was somber. You know, and I, I don't know. Like, I'm not, I'm not Christ or anything. And I'm, not, I'm just trying to see. But he knows. He knows he's, the crowd's going to turn on him. And he knows that the, there's sin into the world that needs to be taken care of. And he is the only person that can do it. And so I see almost a little bit of a, a somberness in Christ's eyes. He knows that... Him being human is not going to be forever. And as much as he enjoys this, this physical world that he can interact with people and disciples and those that he loves, it's coming to an end. Um, and then the Pharisees, they have a job to carry out. Without the Pharisees, we would not have this sacrifice, this gift given to us. And Christ still died for them. They are as important as anybody else. Yes, they've maybe been used by... Satan and their own devices. We don't know. But they still had a part to play, and Christ still died for them. And then, last but not least, this was a plan. This wasn't an oopsie-daisy. This was written since the beginning. This had to have happened. We had sin enter our world, and only Christ that could clear, only God that could clear it. I couldn't pay for it. You can't pay for it. None of us can None of us have the means of currency or ability or work or talent or anything that can justify our entry to, to heaven. It is only by what Christ did. Now, I got this. I'll, I'll pay for you. I'll pay for you. I'll pay for all of you through his death and resurrection. So let me conclude. What, so what? I love that. So what? What does that mean right now? If you read at the end what Kirsty said in Matthew, and then he entered Jerusalem, and the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? The crowd said, uh, The prophet Jesus in Nazareth of Galilee? So who is that? Who is Christ to you? Do we, do we celebrate him as Lord? 
Do we celebrate him as a prophet that just said a lot of good stuff that lived a long time ago? Or do we celebrate him as a liar? Who is Christ to you? And in this season of Easter, in this season of eggs and chocolate and people and hot cross buns, may we continue to ask this question of who is Christ to me? And I was talking to Kirsty in the morning, and I could almost identify with almost each one of those people. Yes, I was a Pharisee, and I was a rule holder, and I wanted people to listen to the Bible for you know, my devices. Yes, I was a disciple. I wanted to help, but I also wanted to just be a part of the popular crowd. I wanted to go to youth group because that's where everybody went to. Who are you, and where's your relationship with Christ? Who is his identity to you? In Palm Sunday, this is Christ kind of standing out and saying, I am Lord. You know, this is who you say I am. He's, a, he's now identifying with his title. Ever since then, and I think if you look in Mark, there's this mysterious Messiah theme that you read about. He doesn't want to, not, you're the risen Lord, now keep that to yourself. Don't tell anybody else. You know, you hold that, put that under your hat. But this is when he's saying, yep, I'm God. What are you going to do about it? Um, and, they sacrif- and then they crucified him. And then last but not least, what I've already said, Christ knew what was going to happen. And he did it still. He did it for love. I know last week we were talking about brokenness, and where do you go from brokenness? You go to love. That's what Lord, the Lord came to save us, to, to remake us, to, um, and, and he did that in a, in a spirit of love. He is love. Um, and I think that as we go from this, we, we want not just to be stirred by a sermon, but we want to take Christ's love in us. He is fully God, fully man, who died on a cross for our sins, the sins that are, are and will be, so that we could be in a relationship with, with him. Um, please bow with me, and I will pass it on to uh, our music team. If our music team could come up and get ready. Thank you. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank God so much for your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for entering um, like a lamb. Lord, even though you could enter like a, a lion to Jerusalem, Lord, we know that also you enter our lives like a lamb. There is no demanding. There is no, there's no gimmicks, no trickery. Lord, you stand at the door and knocking, asking for, uh, for an audience with us to come into our hearts. Lord, and we just ask that we do. We, we open that door. We open that door to you, and we ask for a relationship with you. Lord, take our sins. Take our troubles. Take our worries. Lord, thank you for burdening them all for us. In your precious and holy name, amen.